0: The Real Pod is brought to you by our good friends at Nando's. They've got restaurants across Aotearoa, and if you order through the Nando's app, you can collect Perry Perks points to redeem for delicious rewards. Hit nandos.co.nz to learn more and start earning.
1: Oh. My. God. (laughs) I'm sorry, my voice is breaking, I'm emotional, I have shed tears, we have reached the conclusion of Celebrity Treasure Island 2021, and I have every feeling imaginable.
2: What kind of monster wouldn't be shedding tears? I feel like you should be sort of tagged for state surveillance if you weren't, like, all, all in your feelings at the end of that.
1: Anyone who has not watched this season... I just feel pity for you because you have missed out on something so special. First of all, huge congratulations to winner Chris Parker. And in extremely exciting news, he is going to be joining us uh, a little bit later on in the podcast for and Chinwag.
2: It's amazing. It's amazing. I, like, I, I didn't even allow myself to imagine him as the winner because it – It didn't feel like it was set up that way. And so I was – and then, you know, as we'll discuss, the finale doesn't exactly – it's not (laughs) like he cruised there. It wasn't a walk for him. So it really was just the the, the way that it snuck up on you. Just – Perfect, perfect end to a perfect season. It really
1: was. Okay, so I should introduce the show. So welcome along to The Real Pod's real recap of Celebrity Treasure Island. This is our final episode for this season. Uh, my name's Janie. I'm joined by Duncan Greve. We've also got T.I. here, Butler in the producer's... Uh, producer's seat, and he has been watching along, so you, we may hear from him throughout the episode. Um, so how this is going to roll is, as I mentioned, Chris will be joining us later, and we're going to try and hold it together in the meantime to kind of recap the main beats of this week. I know it's all over and you've, you, you know the result and you're fresh from the finale, but... Um, but there are a couple of things that we don't we don't want to skim over. We want to make sure that we cover off because they are important elements of the show. We've there, been they bits of
2: the final week, which was which was fascinating in its own right. But I think they're also like you know, without getting too to pre fold on it. Um, it's my other media podcasts. Like and subscribe, etc. Like there are some big things about the the show which uh, I'm actually going to write about for the spin off coming on Friday that are, that are like kind of significant beyond the show itself. I feel like, like this will be remembered this season in a number of ways.
1: Okay, before we get our CTI nerd on, just have to say a big thank you to Nando's who are back on board as sponsors of The Real Pod. Thank you, Nando's. Make sure you download their app.
2: You can you can place your takeaway all this through. I think they've got their own delivery service imminently and uh, you know, no disrespect to the many fine intermediaries <laughs> out there in the global economy. But you want every dollar going to Nando, right? Yes,
1: yes. Because also, let's bear in mind, Nando do a lot of good things out in the community.
2: But yeah, particularly in uh, in Africa, like there are there are a lot of, of mosquito nets that have been distributed. There are a lot of good jobs that have been made. So
1: and locally, they do. They've been doing cans for chips. They've been, uh, you know, supporting the the city Mission, the Auckland City Mission. So you know, worldwide, global, go Nandos. Thank it's you very much.
2: A, it's a lifestyle. It's a movement.
1: <laughs> okay, so Monday night's ep. This is where uh, we had Lance in power once again, a, a position he's been very comfortable with throughout this whole season. Drunk that, on power. Drunk on power, except for that one moment where he, he didn't want to be powerful anymore.
2: But I think that was almost a, a, a sort of a perfect example of just how powerful he was. It was like, I'm bored <laughs> <laughs> of just all exactly. this power. <laughs>
1: Um we started off before he got to pick the duos, we started off with this little weird interview situation, a kind of an Oprah esque sit down.
2: It was like it was like after the after the final treasure, but before the final yeah. treasure?
1: And I was kinda like, Oh, this is gonna be this is filler, right? I was like, This is clearly filler. We've not got as much stuff going on now. But it was actually bloody heartwarming. It was. Back in his shouting out to the rainbow community, and just I, back—I mean, man—for someone who was barely on screen for most of this season, really came into his own in those last few eps.
2: There, there, there were there were quite a few character, I mean, characters Candy and, and Edna too, uh, who were m- sort of somewhere between on a spectrum between not existing at all and villains at the first half, and everyone came home with a real like emotional load it was beautiful
1: something's turned though on candy Edna on her insta stories this week revealed that candy rifled through her personal belongings and read a clue wow.
2: and then I think she had
1: that clue around
2: I love that though
1: I mean that but that's ne- like going through someone's personal stuff that's next level
2: I mean is it yes. Is it if yes. you if, you, if your personal? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, okay. It is, it is. Because otherwise,
1: you're forced to hide your clue in a body cavity. You which know?
2: I think, <laughs> if you if you're trying to beat Lance, you should be considering that. And
1: I think if we just with the with the uh, with the benefit of now knowing how useful the clues were <laughs> in the final, it probably meant nothing. It's
2: completely, meant completely
1: nothing. Completely, but we'll get to there. Just, it's just so amazing to me how much strategic play was involved in clues and getting the getting and exchanging of clues and all that kind of stuff when they were not even worth the paper they were <laughs> written on.
2: <laughs> it's, it's so funny, eh? Hey, because they were so... Yeah, the, the whole show really is about um, getting and sharing clues. And absolutely by the end you're like, oh... Doesn't matter. Make the final. You've got a shot. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. Anyway, the other big thing that came out was actually not this week. It came in the end of last week. We've got to mention it in last week's pod. It's that Candy is Buck's cousin in law. Buck is married to Candy's cousin. Maybe Candy and Buck were both trying to get out of moving, helping with the moving of the house.
2: True. <laughs> true. It was a team I loved Candy and Buck's relationship. There are so many iconic duos out of this that, that you want to see like a, a spin-off, you'll pardon the pun, just, just like a little half hour kind of where are they now. I'm yeah. Like, like basically I want to know because these friendships, like there's no way that the the sort of emotional bonds that were forged in this that we saw sort of just pouring out of everyone at the end. There's no way those are fake. What I really want to – I would love to see a sort of three months' time, six months' time, how many of those have just sort of fallen away and mm. were a product of the moment versus – Like Lance and Chris looks like a lifelong friendship. It's a lifelong
1: friendship. I feel like I, you know, it's still going strong. Yeah, I believe there have been backyard picnics in level three. Well, we'll find out soon. We will find 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 out soon. Uh, I agree, and I think that while we have a lot of documentaries and so on that um will give you a recap at the end and give you kind of a satisfactory roundup of where people are at now um after filming i think they need to start employing this for shows like celebrity treasure island where we got very invested in the relationships and the final shots were great them all rolling around in the treasure but how good would it have been if the closing credits had like updates of <laughs> Lance and Chris picnicking in the backyard and, you know.
2: Have you seen, uh, like, at the end of uh, Line of Duty, one of my favourite things about that incredibly silly, incredibly fun show, which is, you know, the the sort of English anti-corruption police procedural for the three people in New Zealand who haven't seen it, is um, the, the way that at the end of the season they kind of go into the future and tell you what happened to all the characters and you're like, these are made up characters. <laughs> you the show ended when it did. Like you what you, you got a bit more story making up still to do.
1: Did they just think they were they were like we were told right at the end they weren't getting another season? They're like we just need to flesh out. But every
2: out. time I mean they're always gonna get another season. This is the most successful show in history. It's just they a hang on. Are they
1: Oh, this is going off. We're going off pace. Uh, anyway,
2: I, I was, we are
1: Chris Parker.
2: <laughs> we're a long, long Bush way from home in the right reeds. Now. <laughs> But um, but I think that the other thing they could do, I'm just here's some free ideas Warner Brothers. These aren't copyright to spin off. Is uh, you know, like as a as a promo for the next season, you could just you know, like have a a little after the final rose that that iconic group a year on. You know, that's not going to cost a lot. Everyone to get together and talk about it, like. I want to know everything. I want to get back there somehow. I'm scared,
1: though, because so often I'm, I'm, I'm so in on a show, and then as soon as it's off air, within a week I've forgotten everything about it. I'm hoping this is the one that's different.
2: This one and The Apprentice Aotearoa, yeah. different.
1: Um, this is just not – I look back and think the final three in Celebrity Treasure Island the last season, you had The Wiz. I mean, great concept. <laughs> Sam Wallace. And who's the other one?
0: No one knows the other one. Shane Cameron.
1: Shane Cameron. Is
2: it okay? It's
1: just like I didn't bless them all. Didn't care about a single one of them. Like
2: <laughs> three muscly boys.
1: Like Sam Wallace completely turned into a maniac, which was all that kept me watching. That was. And I really thing. I enjoyed that season, but I loved the final three in this season so much.
2: But this season felt like a like a landmark in the sense that uh, the 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 sort of. Diversity of the casting across any metric you care to name was was really fascinating. The amount of Tadeo used mm-hmm. and the way that they um sort of acknowledged Kuri and uh the 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 sort of sensitivity with which it was made versus how reality TV that's not, not, not normally what you're watching it for, that felt huge. Like I I think after the season you could make quite a compelling argument for a public funding of this show because it accomplishes so many of the New Zealand On Air goals in a way that it previously didn't even try, much more so than a lot of funded shows, if I'm honest. I agree with you. Um, What I'd like to talk about is two signature failings, which I'm really curious about. Okay, So the last two eliminations were very one note Mm -hmm. in the sense that the only skill for the... The uh, the elimination that saw Jess and Candy go was carrying a heavy thing over an easy to balance thing and just just pouring it mm. on. So strength was just an enormous advantage uh-huh. there. Buck, Buck won it, and then when Buck went home against Edna, you had like a tiny person who's honestly, if you were designing someone to who can cling to a pole for basically forever, that's Edna, mm. you know, and if you to design it someone like a human body that won't be able to do it, it's Buck. He's a big former all-black forward. He's also in his 60s. So both of those were kind of non-events. And what I'm curious about is, like, do you think that was just luck of the draw or that that was producers engineering the finale they wanted?
1: I would imagine that I think it has to be luck of the draw. The final challenge is always an endurance challenge. That's just part of the show, part of the format. The um, I can't imagine that they that they are able to make the equipment required to see the result that they want. Do you well, know what
2: I mean? Well, no, no, I don't, because I think they've clearly got like dozens of random weird things <laughs> to make people do, and to have like a sort of an array of a few different ones, and then be able to say, okay, this is what we need to to, ah. to give the the highest likelihood. Of, of our desired outcome. I mean, I don't want to be too Machiavellian about it, but obviously, like producers play a role in this thing, that would be quite an easy way to put a thumb on the scale, so Maybe, speak.
1: perhaps, yes. I mean, certainly they didn't do that last season when we ended up with a very bizarre final <laughs> three. Three identical
2: <laughs> blokes, essentially. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's entirely possible. We did end up with a, just a crazy, charismatic final three. Um, it was just, you know, who all had journeys and stories throughout their time on the island and been great television. So, you know, maybe. Maybe. What was your second thing? That was your first thing. Your second question? Forgotten it? No. Let's get into the television show. <laughs> okay. Lance chats with everyone about what they, who they do and don't want to be paired up with and cons Jess out of a clue in the negotiations.
2: He's a shark.
1: The shark. Didn't need the clue in the end. Um, and then he reveals his plan and Jess
2: is pissed.
1: No, Jess is sad. Is she pissed? She's pissed. She's pissed and she's, sad. She's
2: pissed and sad. We've never seen a, um effect like this. Like, it feels like it fundamentally impacts her view of Lance and her view of the world, to be honest.
1: Yeah. So I think she saw it as um, a, a personal kind of attack, which Lance explained it certainly wasn't. It was strategic, which anyone watching would know, but... I think Jess is such a nice person that she would never do that to someone else, and can't imagine why he would do that. I can't believe they took him at his word. And he was like, "Yeah, I'll pair Jess and Edna up." That's never going to happen.
2: Lance is a genius. Yeah, but I think like it's quite an intense thing because he's a very personable guy, and you know, I think that they were taking him at face value, and then suddenly this, th- you know, like it, it's it was quite duplicitous even for Lance to do that.
1: Ah. Oh. Totally, but he had to do it, and I think uh, he made the right call. Jess, unfortunately, the the, uh, the collateral damage was Candy's self-esteem, surely, <laughs> because Jess was so mortified that she'd been paired with Candy and that the whole last three weeks were a complete waste of time. Or, or,
2: or, or was she, you know... Or she, could she dress that up as being mortified at being betrayed?
1: She, I think she tried to dress it up as that, but she also in, her, in the moments was like, now I'm going to lose. Like, now yeah. I don't have a shot. Like, this yeah. has all been a waste of time. <laughs> so if not in the moment, Candy certainly would be watching that back going, oh. But then again, Candy's rifling through Edna's personal belongings, so all's fear and, and <laughs> treasure and sand. Um, <laughs> as the saying goes, uh, Edna and Buck appeared together. This is cute. It's... it's Whole, didn't, it this, didn't feel cute at the moment, but if this hadn't happened, we wouldn't have got the amazing uh, little end to the story that we did.
2: It was a great little kind of B plot line for the final week was these two people who really had quite undisguised uh, enmity towards each other being thrown together. And, you know, I just, I really loved the way that their characters kind of unpeeled and, and revealed themselves towards the end. Mm. And, and, uh, and I think... You know, as as we said before, with Buck talking about uh, the Ramo Community and his Fano, the, there's something about the, the the kind of vision of what a you know a, a bluff old all black captain can be in a modern context mm. that feels like kind of revolutionary, yeah. low-key.
1: And also, I think that the the, <laughs> the um, what did they call them, the Ox and the Fox, back in back in Edna had this kind of fake it do you make it thing going from the moment they were paired together, they're like, yeah.
0: Gil Dakota, the I here here. Um, Jane has to step out for a moment to take a phone call. She does come back soon. In the meantime, here's me and Dunk. Was it not Candy and Buck who had the gave them the big telling off for being duplicitous and putting Candy up last minute? Yes. And then it was her who was rifling. do you think that was she was rifling after
2: that? I think that, yes, basically my my working theory based on only having been told it about 10 minutes ago <laughs> is that Candy very belatedly realised that there was a game and then she was trying to figure out, oh, how do I play this? Uh, right. And she went too far. Yeah. Whereas if you kind of came into it with a sort of working knowledge of what games in this context are like and, mm-hmm. and here are what the rules are, you'd know that that's not the one you know you betray people all the time but sure. you, you know there are these boundaries and she was like i guess this is okay
0: clearly it was like without any awareness of what makes for good television and then yeah what the defined lines of political um deviance
2: yeah yeah totally and uh and foolishly she she didn't just search through anyone's life. She'd search through <laughs> Buck's belongings. All good. Buck's not going to go live yeah. and air her out. Yeah. Unfortunately, she went through this The like person really who
0: was going to be the most outspoken about it. Precisely. After the, after the fact. Precisely. Yeah. Edna really, Edna really did a 180 in my my opinion. I just could not stand her at the start of the series. So much. Because of the way they dressed her up to be so antagonistic.
2: But I wonder, like... I don't think that that was... I could be wrong. I don't think that that was a pure production decision to frame her that way. My my theory of it is that she was very tightly wound. She didn't give a lot of herself. She's Mm -hmm. used to operating around people who are, broadly speaking, like her. So to be around all these different personalities, away from all the kind of things she normally leans on, she just took a while to unclench and let herself be and let a sort of maybe an inner Edna out. This is very charitable reading, but it it feels like the the performance bears it out.
0: No, that scans, and and it also feels like it kind of aligns with the timing of it and the timing of the endurance challenge against Richie, where she came back devastated and sort of actually broke and opened up about the fact that she was disappointed in herself, not only because of her own failing, but because of the fact she didn't bring home the bacon for the team, which was like finally letting them in and finally letting them see that she's actually quite a cool person.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's that's dead right. That is the sort of year zero of the of the rebirth of Edna, because. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny, yeah, because cause, like the gap between, I mean, I don't, I don't follow her on social life, and I only watch a little bit of Boss Babes, but my sense is that the Edna that we saw around the start of the show was very much the Edna that she puts out into the world. Mm. And it's to the show's credit that there was just no nowhere to hide and and it obviously had the you know number of people, not least Chris, had yeah. revelations about themselves on the show and I think Edna is one of them. Um, same with bark. Like that that's basically why I was charming. The game's sort of who cares, but it was the fact that they were in this alien environment genuinely discovering things about one another that made it such a revelation.
0: Ostensibly for a charitable cause as well, which is like the icing on the cake of it all is that Chris the entire time was trumpeting the cause for Rainbow Youth.
2: Yeah, either, I mean, I was honestly right the way through somewhat cynical about the charitable cause thing. Like they they were all obviously they all had very genuine reasons to want things for the charity, but it seemed like something that you figure out right at the end sure. rather than the whole raison d'être of the show. But Chris the you could tell that when he was like just hopelessly behind, hopelessly lost, you know, there's that that great line he had about um, you know, his perseverance, that was the the thing that he went, the well that he went back to. And that was basically a cipher for his own sort of teenage self, Mm. you know, him having to go back to the, and and just wanting to be able to from his current position of fame and confidence to go back and take that sort of small frightened um, kid in in Christchurch and, and, uh, you know, rescue him.
0: Scientists are leading the conversations about the future of our Aotearoa and the biggest challenges of our time, our land, ocean and climate, our physical and mental well-being, our food health. It's never been more important to understand science. At the University of Otago, you'll study alongside world-renowned experts and researchers. Explore your postgraduate options now. He Find out more at otago.ac.nz slash pgsciences.
1: Right, we're back. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, right, where are we up to? The uh, There was an awkward sandwich lunch, which should have been a lovely time. It was a terrible time by all accounts uh, because everyone was dark. Not everyone. Chris They're wasn't dark. Chris wasn't They're dark. brooding. <laughs> Jess and Edna in particular, very, very dark on Lance. And he really managed to turn them around.
2: I, I mean, I think this is... Quintessential Lance, where he plays the game to the fullest, but then when he goes to talk to you, he gives you the real him, the mm. sincerity, and that's why that's a hard assignment mm. to basically completely screw someone over and then be like, be able to to pull them back. And I think that's why we all love Lance.
1: Oh, we love Lance. Okay, and then of course we know that uh, Jess and Candy went home, and the final four were re- relocated to an amazing glamping spot. Uh, a simply gorgeous grazing platter, and they're at Spirits Bay, where I have been before. Lovely, lovely, lovely beach. Just amazing. Looked at. Worst case of sea lice I have ever had in my life.
2: How many cases of sea lice have you had in your life?
1: A couple, but usually it's like a little bit under the, the tog line kind of thing. This was like I was there with a friend. She counted hundreds of bites. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that in. Just a bit of real-life experience. (laughs) Um,
2: Wrong episode.
1: (laughs) I know. That's confusing. Sorry. Um, Lance has four clues, and this is the moment he reveals to Chris – That he got Richie's clue, which Chris suspected all along. Not suspected, knew. He knew. But But he was almost
2: enjoying the fact that Lance was was, doing some of his lies on him. It
1: was so cute when Lance said it to camera, and Chris was just like, I knew it, and they had huggy beers, and it was just so lovely.
2: It was just one of the, like, someone make a supercut of from... Meeting to the, the 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 just a bromance supercut yeah. of those two. I yeah. want to see it.
1: They had the set fire to the eel challenge, uh, which Edna and Buck won. It was a weird challenge because how do you qualify when the red bit's burnt?
2: You know. I was just happy that that Buck and, and Edna won that though.
1: It was it was really uh, great for them, and Edna came out the back of that saying she feels like she has two new brothers and a dad, and as a viewer. <laughs> I feel the same. Isn't it bizarre? (laughs) I feel like I've got a sister and two new brothers and a dad. And can we, you know, when we go to level 3.2, can we all get together for a picnic? I was literally
2: messaging uh, (laughs) Tina Tiller, beloved Tina Tiller, long time producer of The Real Pod, the exact same thing this morning. She's been watching it too. It's just something about the nature of the show, plus being in lockdown and missing the kind of, easy company mm. of larger groups of people that you don't know all that well. I think it became a cipher for that.
1: So that challenge was for one of the useless clues and then they had an individual challenge but the first pair to complete it would win and it was the balls in the maze type thing and um, this is one where, <laughs> where Buck take to fall and Shizzo just yells out, Oh, fuck! <laughs> And I just leave it. LA is beautifully just left in. <laughs> it's so great. But he's fine, obviously. Chris and Lance, convincing win. Uh, and then Edna's feeling very emotional. She's got the weight of all Wahine the world over on her shoulders. Um, but very strong lady. So I feel like she can, if you know I can handle it, she can.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, and then there was a beautiful exchange between Edna and Buck um, where he said, you know, she's got heaps of potential. Her rough just will be smoothed out in time. And it was just lovely. Just it was, lovely.
2: It was beautiful. And then the uh, the aforementioned pole pole hold. Yeah. Which I, again, I was like, I really want to do that. I do not. Well, what what Buck ended up doing with the the sort of the wraparound koala, I was like, I feel like he should have done a combo of that. Like the Gripping with the feet, koala at the top, and then sw- just, just sort of switch them a bit more. But I think um, the
1: switching up is where, maybe it becomes, the is where you, you go almost on. want to go rigid in the position that you're in and just stay there. And then you just, the it's all just mental tenacity, you know?
2: But the problem is, like like I said, Edna's Edna, Sarah Connor in Terminator, <laughs> you know, like she was just built to do that one specific thing, and, and Bucky had no shot.
1: Yeah, I don't think Buck really was that worried about winning. He just definitely wasn't hungry for the win of the total competition like everyone else. When he, in his post-match interview, like he's the top four. Everyone else prior has been like, it's been an amazing experience. I've learned so much about it. he's He's just like, yeah, it's a bit of fun.
2: Just a game. Just
1: a game. And then uh, he's like, oh, I'm just not very emotional. I was emotional one day and it was when we won the World Cup.
2: I love that line <laughs> so much. Hey, you know, like, and it didn't feel like he was just talking about after one game. It was just like, at any point in my life. Oh, totally.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's been one time where I felt something other than just uh, stoic. <laughs> yeah. And that was when we won the World Cup. Uh, anyway, uh, he hands his clues all over to Edna. Again, what's the point? And we get to the final.
2: One more tiny thing. Yes. I loved, loved, loved when uh, Buck was doing his exit interview with Chizo. And uh, they were going on as they do about him being the oldest participant ever. And he was like, Oh, I'd come back again with with just the oldies. And I was like, Great show. (laughs) I'm a great show. I've been pitching this, you know, my, my uh, last shot at love reality show, which is like said in a rest time. It's a bachelor but in a rest time. I don't know why no one is doing reality shows with just heaps of old people. Like, they're the last ones watching Linear and I would watch the shit out of it.
1: They were doing, they they were supposed to, they were casting at one point for a US seniors batch. I don't know what happened to that. Like they, they you know, they were taking applications.
2: I want it. I also want um, old celebrity Treasure Island. Yeah. Very chill, very tranquil. Like Buck's the youngest. He's the, he's the floor, not the ceiling of age. True. Make it happen.
1: I, I love, uh, I want to be on this show, but also I don't ever want to do an endurance challenge and I don't want to have to poo in a cave. But aside from that, I'm, I'm in, you know?
2: Well, I mean, well, to be fair, we're in the upper half of the demo right now. Maybe yeah. we can be on can old celebrity. You're actually an actual and old celebrity.
1: We just uh, have to hold on for just a few more old. years. <laughs> there. Okay, anyway, Candy had a dream that Chris won. Um, excuse me, clairvoyant, and then he spent eight hours dreaming that he hit the, hit the chest with a spade. Um, and that's how, that's how he starts off his day, thinking, you know what, I might just bloody win this. I'm not going to tell you what happens yet. <laughs> they, uh, they head off to, to the challenges, and this is something very much set up, these three challenges or tasks as they call them, very much set up for physical prowess. I feel like this whole thing was, you know, if, if you were fit and strong, you had the advantage. Apart from the the word unscramble,
2: but even the word unscramble was, it, it wasn't a classic puzzle in the sense no. that like you could see patterns. It was the advantage
1: it, was if you got there first, right, and had the time.
2: And you also by then you'd done two physical challenges and then had a third big run yeah, afterwards. So yeah. it was very much weighted in favor of of Lance and Edna, and even, like, to be honest, watching Chris do, I was surprised he ever finished the the ball on a placard thing. Lance's ball was oddly sticky. I wonder if there yeah. was, like, a little flat patch or something. I think
1: when we talk to Chris, we'll learn a little about those. Oh, like, no. I think he talked on in our Insta Live about, like, little divots in the balls and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, how they, The fact that they had to do ITMs in the moment interviews during the challenge it blows my mind. I would refuse. I'd be like... Are you kidding me? I'm already half an hour behind those they guys. They were
2: very good ITMs, they very were. good ITMs. So anyway, Chris is just so badly out the back that you he almost is functioning as comic relief at this yeah. point between the real competition. He's He's wildly behind. And then even when he finally makes it to the place... He, for some reason, just sprints off in the wrong direction. <laughs> they just hear, you hear this kind of guy thrashing through the jungle, yelling like miles away. Chris is not in the final. No, like,
1: no. His self talk was adorable. His talking to that little ball oh was adorable. God. And I think it says a lot for like mindfulness and kind of keeping in the moment and keeping calm. It's just like chatting to yourself. He made, he never gave up.
2: Chris, Chris, Chris's self talk should be. Like a man like like that that is just i I I don't know what to say about that. I want to listen I want to have him on Spotify, self talking <laughs> to me whenever I'm feeling low. It was just so beautiful and so effective.
1: Oh, I mean, that's an absolutely a possible a possible revenue stream now that he is as <laughs> big a star as he is going to be out the back of this. Um, okay, they in the shack. As we found out, the clothes were useless. You could literally just rifle through things. It's not even like three specific bits of map you can get. There were like so many opportunities. We've mapped for map. days. And then uh, then they just start digging in the same area. We Lance has already found that. X without, yeah. without even needing the map, and there
2: isn't really like it's not like the 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 yeah you don't need you don't need the map, and the thing is right from the start you're going that kind of matted wild yeah. grass, there's you, just no way that they've been up there long enough to to regrow that, and and Edra even sort of figures that out a bit at the start, but they exhaust themselves on mm. it, and then Chris just comes up. And this is the one bit where, like, brain over brawn somewhat. It's just like, I'm just going to find anywhere it could possibly be. Yeah, anywhere that looks
1: like it might have been dug up in the last 48 hours, you
2: know? And he, oh, that sound, that when he hits it, and you think is this real? Like, did they get this finale? Like, imagine if you were production sort of watching this back, just going, no.
1: I think production knew all along. I think that this finale, and it always is made up to be like this, that it doesn't really matter how far behind you get. That last search of the treasure, the map is not very exact. So there's a really good chance that everyone's going to be end up just digging, and it's a game of chance by that point. Anyway.
2: Anyway. Chris, was-
1: Chris won, they rolled around in the money They all wept, I wept It was just so beautiful Lance helped him pull it out He was so proud of Chris And Edna had a big grin on her face And it just, no one seemed disappointed at what happened You know, no one was bummed out that they didn't win Because they had been on this journey together
2: We all have Let's get him in
1: Let's get him in I don't even know how to start this I'm so jazzed out. I'm so excited. I've been a ball of emotion. Chris Parker, winner of Celebrity Treasure Island 2021. <laughs>
3: Welcome! Honestly, it's like such an honour to be able to do this interview. Like, I'm thrilled. I've been sitting on this since March. It's How? Like, How did you keep this inside you? It's destroyed me. Like, it has absolutely destroyed me. <laughs> it has felt like a dream. It's felt like a nightmare. It kind of felt like it wasn't real. And then like, I've slowly beginning to like cognitively relive it again, like by watching the show and, you know, and I, yeah, just to be able to finally talk about it and be able to kind of, I don't know, like emotionally process it. Like it's taken me so long to be able to do that. Cause it's just, it's been a whirlwind. Like this whole experience is a mixture of like a personal experience of like a life changing kind of celebrity school camp. And having to make a TV show, and you always find the juxtaposition of those two things. So, like having won it, it was like woohoo, and then it was like, okay, pickups. We need to do pickups, and we need to wrap because the cruise, like needs to go home. And it was suddenly like, like lights out, and it all gets packed up, and you just go like, oh, that's right, you know. So,
2: <laughs> and did that even happen? There's, I guess, the thing that like buzzes me out is, is just imagining coming back, and you know, there are a few. Outwardly, lower stakes shows than Celebrity Treasure Island. In some respects, obviously the the charitable stuff is there, but it, it's but that's almost the point of it compared to like the Merit at First Sight to this world, and yet something happened on that show, and you can't give away any of it really. Like you just have to carry it around with you. Like, I don't know. I don't understand. Also,
1: can I just say because we have been uh, we chat quite often, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> and. I had no clue. Like, not only do we chat quite often, you came on an Insta Live for the Real Pod, and you chatted with me and Alex for like a good hour about all things Celebrity Treasure Island, and I was watching you like a hawk in every (laughs) conversation. And you, some would say,
3: I played the biggest blind side of all. You did, (laughs) which was me and the New Zealand media. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've been. um, I feel hyper visible. Um, I didn't think I was going to last as long as I did. And everyone says that, but I literally had gigs like <laughs> four days after Celebrity Treasure Island. I had to host the Axis Awards, which is like <laughs> the <laughs> biggest media awards in Auckland. There's like thousands of coked art media execs. And I had just come back from Celebrity Treasure Island and I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't look at my phone. I couldn't look at my phone. I went to my agent's office. I had a breakdown. I said, I don't know what to do. Imogen, who's amazing. She's my agent. She goes like, I've never seen you like this. You seem broken. (laughs) Did did she know? Like, does I? I told my agent, yeah, Yeah. because I was like, I need help because I couldn't process what was going on, and then I couldn't because I couldn't look at my phone. (laughs) She had to print off all my emails for me on paper so that I could read them like a book. (laughs) Because old school executive. Because what it it was, like, it wasn't. I mean, obviously, it's not. It wasn't. It was an intense experience. It was massive. It was a lot of time away. But more than that It was like A lot of time invested in something It was like The greatest improv of my life Where you didn't drop character Like you just stayed in it And it wasn't until Basically I got home to the Airbnb I stood in the shower And like Literally Like just broke down Like I was just Because I'd finally Like dropped In a way Because I'd been on the whole time (laughs)
1: That is, that's really and I watched, intense. I watch
3: <laughs> myself back and I'm like, holy moly, that guy is, that is the face of someone who's invested, invested.
1: And the crazy thing is, and I think of someone like Casey Frank, who you might not remember from the show because he went out first, but when you're going into this, you have no idea how long you're going to be there. No. And if you've convinced yourself, I'm not going to be here very long, i the Access Awards, I've got some shows to do, and I'll have plenty of time to prep for that because I'm going to get booted off in the first few weeks well, the first few days even, Um, if that is some kind of crazy social experiment mind game that you're in, you know?
3: The whole thing is. The whole thing is. Yeah, it's um, it's so hard to kind of pull it apart, like the the impact. And everyone keeps asking, like, how has it changed you as a person? You know, I really just don't know how to like singly put my finger on like the thing that has changed in me, but it's like, it's just evolved for me, like, in every aspect.
2: So, I mean, because it does – watching the show, it felt like it changed you. And, I, you know, I think there was – you spoke so poignantly on it about, you know, the, the reason that I think you – it's a hard, hard thing to, to figure out, but it felt like you were doing it for your charity. Like your charity was carrying you through, particularly the finale, which somehow was – you had the worst ever <laughs> – a winning performance (laughs) of all time. Honestly. um, Yeah. So, but you know, so, so you, you, there was, it was like this whole thing on some level felt like it was a performance that existed for 14 year old Chris and 14 year old Chris is all around the country to say, it gets better and you'll get through it and you're, you're more than you know.
3: Like the impact is crazy and like, I think like the final is such an interesting one to look at because, like, I like as much as I'm like, I'm not a good runner. I'm not a good, like, I don't have a good aim. And, like, I'd kind of joke about it. And I was like, yeah, you do. You're smoking it. Look how good you are at swimming. Like, at the end of the day, like, I actually, like, wasn't good. You know, like, I am not good. That's fine. It's not, I'm I'm not an athlete. I'm You're a comedian. Sure. I don't practice that. And the thing, I guess, like, I that reve- like was revealed to me in that final was, like, the only, the thing I am, not the only, but the thing I am really good at is, like, not giving up. And I think like that is the key takeaway here. And that's the thing that I'm like so excited about, like sharing with the audience is like, especially the kids is like, it's like just to have like proof to be like, it can turn around. Like you just have to keep like persevering. And like, cause if you surrender at any point, like if I surrendered at any point in that final, it would have been over, you know? And so I was just like chasing it so hard and I, like, I knew, like, after the slingshot that I had lost, you know, in many ways. But if I had a right, like, if I had got lost in the bushes and started hamming it up for the audience, because I was like, I'm too cool for this, then it would have been over and it would have sucked. And it would have been disrespectful to everyone who had been on that show. It would have been disrespectful to the audience who had watched and invested in me. And I knew I was doing that. So I was like, I just have to, like, persevere in some way. And actually, at that point, all I wanted to be was, like, there. When Lance and Edna Digged up the treasure I just wanted to be In the back of the shot That's all I wanted And I remember being like I'm an idiot Like when I was lost In the bushes Like I'm a fool Because I was just Trying to catch up The whole time How long did that whole Process take All day All day Wow All day And I had been like so smugly being like, there's no challenge on Celebrity Treasure Island. It's like, just run a kilometer. And then it was like beauty. The first challenge, like sling a, sim- t- like do it like slingshot and then run a kilometer. And it like killed us. Like, cause we had nothing in us. We were so hungry. Like we had a bit of food in the um, garlic bulb tent, but like not enough. Like we hadn't been training. We were all famished. And then we suddenly ran across that beach and like, you know, it almost killed Lance.
1: But also... Okay, <laughs> literally, we were, like, right.
3: literally almost killed yeah, him.
1: Okay, so if anyone, for a start, I'm weeping. <laughs> like, this is the first time I have <laughs> cried on this podcast, <laughs> of which we've done, like, hundreds of episodes. So, I don't, that, that's very emotional. Um, but running on sand...
3: So hard. No joke. <laughs>
1: like, no joke.
3: That's where the power of doing something bigger than yourself... like. This is, I guess, the things you learn, but the power of doing something bigger than yourself will pull you through because literally Chris Parker was like, fuck this. Like, fuck, this is too hard. What are they doing to us? Like, absolutely not. It is 28 degrees. I can't get a grip on the sand. This flag that I have to run to seems miles away. Like, because I could see how far I had to run because Lance and Edna were running ahead of me on the beach. Well, and also you ran so much further than everyone else by just going (laughs) to all the wrong places and just wandering through the bush yelling. I know, but I wrote on my hand, like, you know, was it like do it for Rainbow Youth or something? And it was just the thing that I would like look back at and just be like, okay, this is just more than you. Like you just have to put your ego aside and just like rise up to something beyond you. And it was, it was the thing that just like stopped me from giving up, which is so corny, but so real. Corny. We love corny things as you, as you well
1: and truly know, but I have to say that I know you were doing this for, for Rainbow Youth and obviously you had your own, you know, journey in that. Um, But you really made an impact far beyond your charity and the people that you were hoping to reach, and I'm so glad that you did have that impact on those people. But you should know that for people like me, who just just like I'm a Gumby idiot, and I'm not saying that you are, but I certainly am. No,
3: I identify like that too, <laughs> really, truly, like the so Gumby long... idiot community. <laughs> the
1: Gumby idiot community, of which there are we are the few. ones who
3: were so scared of cross country. Yes,
1: like I, you know, I pulled every trick in the book to get out Same. of PE always very intimidated by anyone who could do anything remotely skillful physically and like my i feel like my only skill is being able to yabber on a bit you know and um and so you have given me hope <laughs> yeah.
3: it's so i mean i don't know if it made the edit. i haven't seen the episode yet like we're we're obviously recording this but you've seen it but i haven't yes um but it was my weird knowledge of weeds that got me oh, through i don't yeah. know if it's it, not in the edit okay
1: no, You're, no, it's it's where you said about the grass that grows at your house. The kaikuya. The that's the same. Yes, mm, that's the,
2: yeah, but I don't, I don't think we get the, the weeds of
3: the weeds. Do you know what I mean? We get the
1: weeds of the weeds. You said, I have this grass that grows at my house. It is like, there's no way this has just happened recently. So like
3: we all arrive in that spot and Lance is- No,
1: you make it sound like you all arrive at the same time, no, which is certainly not what <laughs> I happened. was
3: 11 minutes 22. That's how long I had to wait.
1: We had no idea watching-
3: Really? It seems like Alan. It seemed like oh, yeah. a really long Beautiful. time. Beautiful.
1: Felt like the sun was setting. <laughs> the magic
3: of television. So
1: it's still a long time. Basically yeah, the way, like I mean, I mean this could be
3: like huge spoilers, but I mean, obviously the you know, there's priorities for the show. So like the first priority is to film the TV show. They really like, but and make it fair. <laughs> but like, otherwise it's ridiculous. So, you know you, there are checkpoints along the way where they stop and repo and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's all done by stopwatch. So you kind of always know you're three minutes fifty five behind. Right. You're six minutes eighty behind. <laughs> whatever. You know, at eighty. Uh, and so, <laughs> I, uh, I was standing. We got to the final point and my final checkpoint, and it was like Lance got to run off, and then Edna had to wait like two minutes, whatever, and then I had to wait eleven minutes <laughs> twenty two. Oh eleven God. minutes twenty two. And I was standing on the beach, holding my spade, looking at the production coordinator. And she's like, you could still do it. Like, and she, <laughs> she, knew. she knew. And she's like, you could still do it. And she's kind of looking at me, just like kind of shaking her head. And she's like, and then she goes, it's a lucky number. And then she's like counting down. And I'm just going like, please, 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 Lance. I have not have found the treasure yet. And I get to run over. But because I ran in so fast, I just didn't get to get a lay of the land. Like, I just didn't know where I was. So I was like in, like, open, like, going to the fastest escape room of my mind, just, like, furiously touching objects to find maps and then um, thinking still that I needed 10 pieces of the map or I didn't know that you only needed three and all that wheeling and dealing was for nothing not to drive because could, crazy. you could
1: literally just walk in there and just start lifting things up and Absolutely. you're going to find the
3: three bits Absolutely, between. yeah. So... I was like, you know, just furiously touching stuff, and then I got my three pieces of the map, and it all kind of cohesively went together. And then, but you have no sense of this map, like how big the distance is. It could be. We met- never
1: got to look at the map as viewers. I've got it here. What?
3: I know how much you guys love this stuff. Oh, this so, is
1: absolutely just mind blowing.
3: So here are the pieces. They're nothing. They're little here bits the of fabric, and my blood is on this.
1: This is insane. And so we
3: had to kind of put these together. Um. You know, and so you just look at that and you're like, I have no idea. I don't yeah, even know no where. Yeah, there's no scale on it. There's I don't no know where orientation I had, on it. No, and so I, I ran way too far and then I had to run back and then luckily when I'm back in time, Ed, Lance has dug up the entire thing. <laughs> He's dug it all up. It's, there's just soil everywhere and Eden is kind of there and I see them still digging and I'm like, we always talk about like, there's always a chance to catch up in this game.
2: Yeah.
3: And I was like, once we reached the soil and everyone's digging everything else didn't matter like it didn't matter how far no. behind i was cuz now it's an even race so
1: i would argue it's a potentially clever, very clever planning by production to make it so that the yes. last thing you have to do is
3: it's almost also almost not
2: an even race because they're fresh out of ideas and they're gassed
1: yeah but he's gassed from running yeah s- yeah but i feel like six six coming with fresh eyes Northland.
2: and the adrenaline of i'm i'm still in this is like almost a weirded we all uh, done
3: and, 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 uh, so know, long a
1: knowledge of weeds how long? also
3: we dug for like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Like I felt like we were renovating <laughs> the garden. Like and I was like I I just was like dealing with this Kaikuya and I was like I just keep saying to myself, it can't be under this. It just cannot be under this. I dealt with this in my garden. It's like rope that just soils right through the soil and it can survive. And like, I think we imported it here in New Zealand, like the sixties. It's like an African, like grass, like wild grass. It can survive the desert. I was like, it's in this like beautiful, rich soil. It's, everywhere. So I just started pulling at the weeds to see where there weren't weeds.
1: Or where they weren't, atta- like, weren't, weren't, weren't attached, attached into the ground. So they, were, they would have spread somewhere over.
3: Well, everywhere everyone else was digging, they were just buried in because I was like your, your spade would go through it. Did, right. did they show me breaking my spade? No. <laughs> oh my God. So I literally get my spade and I'm like right, like still having it up for TV. Let's get digging. And I jump on my spade and my sn- spade snaps in half. So I'm digging with this like terrible spade and like then I get a new one. Like while everyone else Is still digging And then yeah I still remember Like heading towards the tree Mm -hmm. And thinking like I reckon this is it. And then you feel the cameras, like there's like 13 cameras or whatever, all just go shoop, <laughs> on you. And then my spade just going right through that soil like a butter. And like, yeah. And then it's just like so overwhelming because the, the thought of like, you're just like $100,000 for a month. It's all you're thinking is like $100,000 for a And you just think about them like Monday to Friday, like trying to keep that charity going and just like the day to day, like struggles of that charity and just like you just keep going like a hundred thousand it's all like a thing so
2: it's a really meaningful amount of money for a small it's it's Mm. not like they're the you know like some some giant you know transnational uh, charity this is like
3: here it's like here and it's like grassroots and it's like helping kids just like right on the doorstep in in their homes like making a difference a hundred percent like and learning from them that like you know, like we're in a pandemic. It's, it affects everyone and like specifically charitable organisations. The money needs to go mm. to like the response, like the, the pandemic response. So we can't always like open our wallets for these other really important charities. So especially this time of year, apparently, is so hard for all these charities. So, yeah, I mean, ama- like amazing. Just amazing. It's like a relief, I guess. They don't know yet. They don't know. They don't know. They find they wow. watch the show.
1: That is so cool. It's crazy. Oh, that's amazing.
2: The be- the most beautiful thing, you know, aside from that though, in that final moment is the fact that you hit it, and there's no sense, you know, like the way that Lance and Edna kind of cluster around you, and they seem to feel it as as deeply as you do. Like, can you talk a bit about your those relationships, like subsequent to the show, like you and Lance seem bonded for life in this very intense way. Did it transcend the show or is it this thing where you kind of come out and you're like, oh,
3: bye. You know, like, well, how does that all work? We still catch up like all the time. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, I think he did a bit of like traveling afterwards, like while we had freedom. and But now that he's back, you know, we've, we've had a few like distance walks and we message a lot. Um, I think, you know, there's like, I just have a really like funny relationship with men like I always have like I've always felt like um, intimidated by them or like I'm not part of the group so when I do come across a man like Lance who is like just sees me allows me to be like me um, and like just can like buoy me up and like blow me up and just make me feel dynamite like I just like I know how good he is, you know, just like, I'm like, there is like, that is like a, just a, that's a pure light. Like he's, he's the best. Like he's just so loyal, so compassionate, so caring. Like, and it must be, I think being in that dance community, like of course he's around gay guys all the time. Like so many iconic, like trans performers as well. So he's not like uncomfortable in this world. And so he's such a, I mean, I don't need an ally, but, like, he's such an ally for the community. Um, yeah, and Edna is, like, just the one who should have won, in my mind. Like, she, and in that sense, like, where your spade hits is just chance. I feel like we all won by just getting to the final, because that was the hardest thing.
1: Totally. It felt like you all came away winners as, as a viewer. And also, Edna, I think, um, had the most stacked against her in terms of how much um, she faced, how much opposition she faced throughout, how much negativity she faced from other people. And she just stood firm all the way
3: through. And it's like, it's just like so fierce and strong and honest and like just so inspiring. Like I think she probably had the biggest impact on everyone on the show because a lot of the women are like, just going to be more like Edna. You know, like Mm. you hear like Bryn talk about that and Kim talk about it. And I was exactly the same, just, like, you've got to, like, deal with conflict the way that Edna deals with it, which is, like, get it out in front of people and then, like, and solve it fast. Like, Mm. she doesn't fester on stuff. Mm. She just kind of moves beyond it. Mm. Um, She's so, yeah, she's so incredible. I'm so glad, like, we got to see all of her because I think it's really important for New Zealanders to see women like that. Yeah. And what they are actually capable of rather than just, like, putting them in a box as, like, a influencer which she's not she's like a businesswoman, you know yeah the whole thing
2: the whole whole casting of the show we're just reflecting on it before you, you started like it felt like we got this much more sort of diverse and textured and interesting vision of new zealand and new zealanders than than i can recall seeing on screens in a long time like were you were you conscious when you were making it that this was like a you know that Whatever Celebrity Treasure Island has been or whatever these kinds of shows are, this was different?
3: Yeah, 100% because of the, the, where where the net was cast was so much wider than it has been in the past. And, um, but I, I got an inkling of that in the first, re, like the first season, the remount with Sam, I was like, I felt like when you got to hear the celebrities talk about their charities, I was like, wow, there's something like quite powerful in this reboot, um, and it's still kind of finding itself. And then I felt like this season, they just gave it space and allowed the kind of chaos and conflict to happen, and what the conversations that would arise out of that, ageism, you know, sexism, or like underestimating women, or lots of sort of stuff that like the pressure that women have in these sort of areas. Queer politics, race, like it all kind of boiled up, and um, I feel like yeah, that's the power of this. The, the, it was it was special. Like I I knew it when I was there, and I've been on like a few sets, like because I work in this industry, and you know you're like it's just another day at work. Whereas I was, I was like, this is gonna be great.
1: We have watched a lot of local <laughs> too much reality, not too much reality television. <laughs> I'm <was> embarrassed <laughs> so 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 much under the guys of our jobs. And I have never been so impacted by a show, well a reality show like this. And I know we kind of we say that at the end of every season of a show that we really enjoy, but I mean it this time. Well
2: no, I think that they, you know, like the, the Apprentice Apprentice had little elements of that for sure and was just a very entertaining and well-made product. This is a category difference yeah. because it had these sort of you know, just all of this big emotional, some of the you know, the big conversations that that you, you were just referring to that, that this country is sort of having in this sort of unstructured way at the moment. And even even seeing Buck Shelford, who opens the show just as this taciturn guy who seems like he's just got on the wrong bus kind of thing, and by the end he's talking about the rainbow community and his whānau, and then you're like... That's an all-black captain. That's something that all of this kind of middle New Zealand, quote-unquote, sort of sees. And if they can see him embracing that community, maybe they can sort of let go of a
3: bit of their stuff as well. Because this is prime time. And I think that's the thing that's not lost on me now. Like, I I exist in the echo chamber. I know the echo chamber well. And I'm tired of the echo chamber because it feels like you're never going to make any progress. Whereas to... Hit in the mainstream in this way And it's, it can be clunky But I'm like the power of it Like that's where we make the change And I've always thought that Like even like writing for Jono and Ben I was like little do these little shits know Like the audience <laughs> That it's like two gay men who are writing this series now Like it's that's where we can begin to have that influence And hopefully we can just keep moving forward with it in this space Now that people trust it You know and if... Uh, I'm so glad, like, New Zealand has got on board with the series and, like, embraced it in a way that there's, like, kind of been no cultural pop cultural cringe with it.
2: God, no. But it's rated its ass off. Yeah. Like,
3: 290,000
2: an episode on Linear alone? Like, this is it's big a big
3: number. It's huge. And I put that down to the cast. Like, I'm so proud of us, all 21 of us as a cast, because... It involves, like, you are the scriptwriter, You are the director of your own story every day. And it's up to you to throw yourself in there, create story, open yourself up, be vulnerable, be funny, like, do whatever. You've got the power. Like, if you want a quiet day on set, then you could just sulk, hide in the back, whatever. But if you want to create TV, then you throw yourself in there. And everyone did. Like, everyone did. Everyone was willing to do that. Um, and so, holy, like, it made such great TV.
1: It was such a superbly cast show. I mean, we, and, you know, in terms of the finale, the three of you, I was so happy for any one of you to win, which I feel like I've never been in that situation before, because I knew you all supported each other as well, that no one was going to be left disappointed. When you speak of your friendship with Lance and, um, it, 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 Reminds me of my friendship with Alex. That's what it makes me think of is that like Alex is my Lance or my Chris. I'm not sure who I am, today, but in that dynamic. but you know when we first met, I was just an old lady and she was just a young thing, and we shouldn't have gotten on, but we do, and it's just she's so special to me. Anyway,
2: I'm in that. This is Buck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Chris. We have um, we're out of time, and you you are going to be having an extremely busy night and day tomorrow. And bar out,
2: don't forget us.
1: Please don't forget us. Thank you. F-
3: for the, For the hat,
1: Chris has gifted the museum
3: the iconic hat. The
1: iconic. Here's why,
3: because and this is like one final thing. Can it's, wait, be-
1: wait, it's the peach hat with the with the flaps.
3: The flat hat, yeah, because like there has been no drop of cynicism in this podcast and this community. Like, and I think we are so cynical as a country often. Like, it's where our comedy kind of lies a little bit cynicism and like it is so brave to be earnest <laughs> and sincere i like live in that kind of space all the time and so like yeah i just wanted to be like see that reflect it back you can have that um, and i just want to be like thank you guys so much for the power rankings the podcast the fandom like it's it's so important because it, it means we can just keep moving forward like as well it's not really about like us being feeling famous. It's more about I care more about like our ecosystem, our arts ecosystem, like th- that is thriving and that we have like shows that we're proud of and that we keep watching.
1: Beautiful, It's beautiful. One last thought. When we get to level three point two and can have twenty five person barbecues from different um, yes. different bubbles, that's that's twenty four contestants. Oh yeah, and three members of the RealPod team and one producer, right?
3: Perfect, I and mean,
1: that's twenty five. That's all I'm saying. i just put it out there. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming thanks, in. Guys. You're amazing. Congratulations.
3: Such an earnest pod. I'm clearly in my earnest space right now. <laughs> That's okay. We need That's all that. That's we do, yeah. We love
1: it. We're a very, very serious earnest podcast, as you know. <laughs> no, thank well, you. we're very
2: comfortable being emo. Yeah.
1: yeah. Thank, thank you for sharing, and thank you for being vulnerable and opening up to us. Thank all your castmates when you next see them. And thank you, T.I. here, for recording. Thank you to Nando's for sponsoring this podcast. And uh, thanks, Dunk. Thanks, Dunk, for going on the journey with me. Thanks, Uncle Buck.
3: Let's close <laughs> the chest for good.
0: <sighs> Kia ora e te iwi, te butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate.